0: What does it really mean to have peace? I mean, is it just being calm and centered, or is it avoiding conflict and anxiety? What if it's much more? What if it's contentment, wholeness, satisfaction? That's the kind of peace God wants to give you. And today, we're gonna learn, even in tough relationships, how you can experience it.
1: Welcome to this weekend edition of Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. The mission of these daily programs is to intentionally disciple Christians through the Bible teaching of Chip Ingram. Well, a few days ago, Chip kicked off his popular series, I Choose Peace, how to quiet your heart in the chaos of life. For the next couple of weeks, Chip's gonna teach through Philippians chapter four to help us uncover and hold on to God's incredible gift of peace how in times of uncertainty, pain, anxiety, and conflict, we can respond and persevere in a biblical way. So I hope you'll join us for every message. And because this is such a relevant topic, invite a few friends to listen, either through the Chip Ingram app or livingontheedge.org. Okay, here's Chip with his message, In Relational Conflict.
0: The title of this series is called, I Choose Peace, because peace is a gift, and it's a choice, and you can have it if you've never had it. But here's what I can also tell you, as a follower of Jesus, I experienced that peace, and I have actually figured out ways to quench it so I don't experience it. With that said, you'll notice on your notes there's three approaches, or what I would say there's three sources of peace. And um, I mean this by sources. When I say what I'm going to say, don't think everything is terrible or wrong with a couple of these things. There's some great skills, but as a source, in other words, one source in, in our day would be peace is within you. You just need to discover it. It's inward. Key words would be meditation, relaxation. You need to center okay? And that the peace is your harmony with the cosmos, but where you need to look for peace is within. The second source we are told about peace is outward. Words like achieve, conquer, control, perform. In other words, the peace is out there. You need to accomplish this, conquer that. You need to get into a good school, get great grades, find the right person, get a great job, live in a nice home, drive a nice car, achieve certain things, have a certain amount of money. And somehow, someday, as you do all those things and you achieve and conquer and perform, then your desires and your circumstances will align, and then someday you'll have peace. That's the Western way, the American way. The first is more Eastern. Now, don't get me wrong. Are are there some good things we learn about maybe breathing to take away stress or or stretching? Or is there goals that that we learn from sort of achieving and growing? But I'm talking about the source. A movie came out, and it told the story of the richest man in the world at the time, J J. Paul Getty. And the story of the movie, I think it's called, I didn't get to watch it, but I read the review. It's called All the Money in the World, and in 1973 he was the richest person in the world. He's bringing in about oil business alone, $20 million a day. And uh, the story goes on of a, of a man who's consumed with money. Uh, he had five divorces, and it's interesting, near the end of his life. I mean, if, if the outward could deliver, this guy has everything the end of his life, they said, do you have any regrets? He said, I have two. Uh, He was not on speaking terms with his children. I would give all the money, think of that, all the money away tomorrow for one good marriage and personal peace in my heart. You can't buy those, can you? But even as followers of Christ? You cannot experience those. The third is the upward. It's words like trust, depend, abide. Words like faith and love and obey. See, the peace of God isn't some ethereal something that you can discover with alignment. It's not achieving things. Peace is actually a person. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, but my peace I give to you. In other words, when I turned, I didn't know this happened, from my sin, and I invited Christ to come into my life and forgive me. He takes up residence, and he seals me by his Spirit, and the person of Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit lives in you, and there's a control and a goodness and a calm. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. For those who don't know, love, joy. So, as I'm abiding Whether circumstances are up or down, relationships good or bad, the stock market goes north or south, there's a supernatural peace, the Bible says, that transcends understanding, that he'll keep you in perfect peace as your mind is stayed on him because you trust Him. That's what we're talking about. When, when, when the world or the dictionary defines peace, it's usually the absence of things. Notice I put the definition in your notes. It's the absence of disturbance and hostility. It's free from internal and external strife. And in other words, we think peace is just—it's calm. We're just kind of getting along. There's no big thing out there, or there's no big conflict within here. The word peace and the kind of peace we're going to learn about and choose and enjoy is a peace that is, is, is not just the external or just the internal, it's something that God adds. The, the Hebrew word is shalom, and, and we know it means peace. But the word shalom is way, way bigger. There's four aspects of shalom. First, it's the complete soundness or wholeness of health. It's a piece of your mind, your body, and your emotions. Second, it's harmony in relationships. You have shalom in your marriage, shalom with your neighbors. You have shalom at work. You have shalom with the body of Christ. Third, it's success or progress with your purpose. In other words, there's great peace in I was made to do this. I'm in line with the creator of what he made me to do, and I'm I have ups and downs, but I'm doing it. And there's a peace. There's people that spend their whole life wondering: Should I be in this job? Should we really live here? Should I do that? There's no peace. And and there's the FOMO. There's always the fear of missing out. So maybe I should be doing this. Oh, maybe I should be doing this. Oh, maybe I should be doing this. Oh, and you have this acid going around. Peace may be the greatest thing God could ever give you, and if you're a follower, you have it. It's a choice. In fact, in the shalom is victory over your enemies. It's the God will protect you. Jesus' last words on the last night, He said to His disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. And then what a great line for us, the world where it's at, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Can I, don't look at anybody right now, but can I just ask you to ask yourself, is your heart troubled? I mean, for real, are you afraid? Do you find yourself watching the news, or hearing information, or worried about your job, or convinced in your mind you're never going to get married, or convinced that the marriage you have is never going to be any good, or right? You understand you can live your whole life with a supernatural peace as a follower of Christ available, and not choose it. And so, we're going to go through the five things that rob us of our peace in Philippians chapter 4, and the first one is conflict in a relationship. There's a question on the bottom of the page. See, this could end up a seminar, and you could be, oh, this is really interesting information, and I took Psych 201, and there's a lot of principles here, and oh, this is really good. No, 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 this isn't a seminar. Here's, here's the deal. Who in your relational network are you at odds with? If you, had, if you had to come up with a person, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, one of your kids, a roommate, a neighbor, a fellow worker. If there's someone that you could just whisper, oh God, because some of them, they're so in the past and we push it down, you know, it's a brother-in-law, it's an ex-mate, there's, there's issues. And what happens is you don't deal with poison and, and hostility and lack of relationship health. Bad stuff happens to your stomach and your migraines and your soul. And we're going to walk through a process that the Bible will give about how to get peace when you have relational conflict. So I want you to think about who would you really like to have peace with? Who would you like to say, as far as it depends on you? I'm not saying that there's reconciliation and everything's going to be wonderful, but as far as it depends on you, who? Because I want you to listen through the lens of that person. Now, for some of you, it's your mate, and they're not here. And your first thought is, well, I wish they were here, because he really needs to hear this, or she really needs to hear this. Because like me, 95% of all my relational problems are someone else's fault. <laughs> right? <laughs> Honest, with how we think.
1: You're listening to Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram, and Chip will be right back to finish his message. Quickly, though, we want you to know we have a great way for you to access all of the teaching here at Living on the Edge. With the Chip Ingram app, you can access daily programs, Chip's message notes, and much more. Well, now let's get back to today's message.
0: What you have in Philippians chapter four in the context is this. There's a man in prison named the Apostle Paul. There's a church that he loves deeply. He's been in prison there, a church grew, there's a deep connection. God did amazing things. And now there's some some struggles in the church. Some people at the end of chapter 3 are kind of drifting away from the Lord. Um, There's some conflict we're going to find with people within the church. And I mean, he loves them. I mean, he so loves them, and he he wanted to remind them there's hope and there's persecution even in the midst of this world. And he reminded at the end of chapter 3 that, you know what? Jesus really is coming back. There is a heaven that's real. There's a reality that the only sure hope in the world that we live in is is laying hold of. Our citizenship really is in heaven. But we're to live out this life dramatically different on earth. And so, he talked about that. And now he's going to say, it's more than just your individual life kind of walking faithfully with God. He says, there's a relationship problem. There's relational conflict, and he's going to address it. In verse one, what I want you to listen for is his heart. Ask yourself, is he mad, is he angry? Is this this God saying, get with the program? Verse one, therefore my brothers in whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Would you circle the word in your notes? Love, long for, joy, crown, in which you would put a box around, stand firm. He, he's saying, we have this hope. We have this peace. God so loves us. He wants us to walk this out together. So I love you, and I care for you, and what I'm about to say, I'm not down on anyone. But when you don't experience, corporately or individually, the peace that God has already granted, it breaks my heart as sort of the Spirit. And it says the way you stand firm is you know where you're going and you have this hope, and now he's going to have a request or literally a plea of two ladies that are not getting along. I plead with you, Euodia, and I plead with you, Syntyche, to agree with each other in the Lord. Circle the word to agree. It's a very interesting Greek word. It means to be of the same mind, to think the same thoughts. What what we know, we're going to learn, is both these are really good women. This isn't a good person and a bad person. That's what we know from this context. It's not a moral issue. It's not a doctrinal issue. But we have two powerhouse people in this local church who've been greatly used of God, and something's happened that they are not getting along. And when key people in a small group, key people in a house called a mom or a dad, two roommates, whatever it is, when you don't get along with someone, what's it do? It affects other people. So, he has a plea in verse 3. He says, yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women. Would you circle the word help? Sometimes in relational conflict, no matter what you do, it doesn't get better. You need help. And then, who are these women? These women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, and whose names are in the Book of Life. We learn two things about these women. One they've contended. I mean, he's saying, I mean, my right hand, my left hand, these are women that prayed and fasted and gave, and we were in the midst of persecution, and that little church got birthed, and man, I love them both, and they're great people. There's no bad person here. In fact. I'm absolutely certain their, their, their names are written in the Book of Life, So, but they can't get along. The, the, the phrase here, loyal yokefellow, is actually a proper name, Susages, but since no one can pronounce it, including me, many translators take the meaning of the name, which is a loyal yoke fellow. And it, the, the word literally means someone that, you know, can take uh, like two oxen and have them be in harmony, and walk together. And what he's saying is, hey, we've got a problem. We've got a problem in our small group. We've got a problem in our church. We've got a problem in our family. These people are at each other. They have resentment. They have hurt. It's affecting the church. I'm asking someone competent, can you sit down with them, probably someone with the gift of exhortation and a wise counselor, and can you help them? And then in verse 4, he gives a command concerning the relational focus. Because when there's conflict, what do you do? Who do you think about all the time? You think about this person, right? You're driving in your car and you have anger fantasies. You know she did that. She did that. You replay it in your mind. She said that. He did that. I can't believe that. You know, he thinks as a supervisor he couldn't code worth a, um, you know. And then he'd say that that about me. That's unbelievable. And you know, what what's she thinking? I, I mean. Her in-laws, every time they come, she's depressed for three weeks afterwards. It's not a good idea. And, you know, gosh, yeah, right, okay, I bring up one more time. We don't have sex as often as I would like, and, you know, she blows up, and have I hit enough people yet? <laughs> is this real stuff? This is real stuff. This is real stuff. It's how life works. And he said, "And so what you do is you get fixated. You have, and you might, you know, you might have 90% of your relationship with this person is good. But man, this is once once you get fixated on this, then then I, you know what? They go from being a disagreement to a bad person. You demonize them." You know that kind of, you know that supervisor, I remember 10 years ago, he made another mistake. I think this whole company's in trouble because of that guy, and he's my boss, right? She said that. You know, she grew up that way. I remember too. And all of a sudden, you take all the dots of your relational hurt, and you rearrange them, and they're the bad person, and you're like me. It's 5% 5 our fault, 95% their fault. And then you harden your heart. And so, here's the command. It's a command, by the way. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I'll say, rejoice. You know what he's saying? Get vertical. Get off of them and the problem. He's saying this one, not only to the two ladies, but to the whole church. Because when there's a fight, what do we do? I'm on Euodia's side. I'm on Syntyche's side. In a family, even the kids. Oh, mom, dad, mom. Gosh, well, I guess, you know. Right? In a small group, at work. Because the one thing we don't do is we often don't obey Scripture, and we have a problem with the person. What we do is we we find two or three people that usually agree with us, and and just go to a coffee shop sometime and and act like you have earphones on, and just listen to everybody. (laughs) Just listen to everybody. It's really fun to tell you the truth. And eighty percent of the conversations. Well, I don't know what he's thinking. You know, you know, he plays golf three times a week, and you know my supervisor. I think he's on drugs. You know, and I. Yeah, right? You go to call, people are talking about someone else, and what to do? Gasoline on the fire.
1: You've been listening to part one of Chip's message, In Relational Conflict, which is from our series, I Choose Peace. Chip will be back with us in studio shortly to share some helpful application for us to think about. What are you anxious about right now? What's causing you to lose sleep? Financial uncertainties? A tense relationship? The daily demands of life? Whatever is robbing you of your peace right now? There's an antidote. Through Chip's insightful teaching in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to learn about the peace of God, which can restore, calm, and encourage our soul, no matter what's happening around us. And to help you better understand that, during this series, we're offering every listener a copy of Chip's popular book, I Choose Peace, at no cost. We want to encourage you to completely lean on God and trust Him through the highs and lows of life. So to learn how to get your free copy of I Choose Peace, go to livingontheedge.org or text PEACE to 74141. That's the word PEACE, P-E-A-C-E, to 74141. Limit one book per customer while supplies last. Well, Chip's joined me in studio now. And Chip, we're just diving into your study in Philippians chapter 4. So take a minute, if you would, and share your heart and purpose behind this series. Why is it so relevant for us right now? Well, Dave, it, it almost goes without
0: saying. You think of what's happening culturally in America, and whether that's racial issues or political issues. If you just think of the financial pressure that people are living in and all the changes that have occurred if there is one thing I think people are desperate for is peace. Uh, peace in their heart, peace in their marriage, a peace at work, a peace in the government. Hmm. And we try lots of things when we don't have peace to either medicate it or avoid it or do something to bring us some level of calm. And this series is going to talk about four or five specific things that challenge our peace. Things like relationships, uh, difficult circumstances, worry, etc. I am so excited that we can open God's Word and know this is how you choose peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. It's a gift. It's something that we can choose. It's something that we can access regardless of the circumstance, the relationship, or the problems in your life.
1: I think this is a series that's really going to help you. I agree, Chip. Well, I hope you'll stick around for this entire series. And to help you get the most out of Chip's teaching, download his message notes. They include Chip's outline, the scripture references, and some key fill-ins to help you remember what you hear. Get them by going to the broadcasts tab at livingontheedge.org. App listeners tap fill-in notes. Well, here again is Chip to share a few final thoughts. As we close today's program, I
0: can't help but believe that many of you have had a person come to your mind. You know, I've talked about relational conflict. And, you know, for some of you, it's your marriage. For some, it's a roommate. For others, it's one of your your kids or especially maybe one of your grown kids. Uh, for other people, it's like, gosh, that person at work or, you know, if you've been next to this neighbor or your person in the apartment complex. There's so many opportunities that even as I brought up all these issues about relational conflict that can pop into your mind. And then there's one that I think really gets us as Christians. It's that person in your Bible study or the person you see at church or even one of those Sunday school classes, and you feel so bad and so guilty about it, and it just makes you so frustrated because Christians are supposed to get along. I mean, you have this unconscious belief or expectation that they're a Christian. Why don't they act like one? And then you feel guilty about some of the thoughts and feelings and attitudes and bitterness and resentment. And I think this passage is really helpful because what if, now don't get me wrong, there's Christians that do really mean, bad, terrible things. I'm with you. I am one of those Christians that I actually have done some of those things on bad days when Chip is in control instead of the Holy Spirit. But all conflict isn't because someone's bad. I love this passage where the Apostle Paul introduces these two women. He describes them both really as women who love God, serving the church, really care, and yet they have bad chemistry. They have bad personalities. They look at things differently. I'm mindful of that passage where the Apostle Paul and Barnabas have such a sharp conflict that they have to part ways. And as you read it carefully, I don't think there's a bad or wrong person. Paul's thinking of his responsibility, the big picture, the mission. Barnabas is gifted differently. He's thinking about the concerns for an individual. John Mark, someone needs to help him. Both those things are true. Here's what I want to tell you. What if instead of blaming this person, having resentment, you had some specific ways, a very specific game plan to bring about resolution to this conflict? Part of it might be something that happens in you, part of it might be something that you could think a bit differently, and part of it could be what you actually do with this other person. In our next broadcast, I'm going to give you five specific ways to resolve conflict They're biblical, they're effective, and they actually work. Until then, I want you to just pray for that person. I want you to pray that God will bless him, God will encourage him, and I want you to pray, God, if there's anything that you want to show me, show
1: me. And as you own your stuff, I guarantee God's going to work. Great word, Chip. Before we close, I want to thank each of you who makes this program possible through your generous giving. 100% of your gifts go directly to the ministry to help Christians live like Christians. Now, if you found this teaching helpful, but you're not yet on the team, would you consider doing that today? To send a gift, go to livingontheedge.org or text DONATE to 74141. It's that easy. Text the word DONATE to 74141 or visit livingontheedge.org. App listeners, tap DONATE. And let me thank you in advance for whatever the Lord leads you to do. You've been listening to a selected program that we wanted to share from this past week. To hear more of Chip's series, I Choose Peace, go to livingontheedge.org or the Chip Ingram app. Until next time, I'm Dave Drewy saying thanks for listening to this weekend edition of Living on the Edge.